0: Hey, y'all thanks so much for listening to Sweet Tea and TV this is Nikki and Selena from the future coming back in time from season five of our show to thank you for joining us and to give you a brief note before you jump in
1: as we're recording this we're in 2023 we started this podcast in 2021 so we've had a little more experience since we started in particular when we think about the first season we'll never not think about the
0: audio quality boy we struggled That's right. At times we were recording in different places. Sometimes our recording service would just shut down or just not work the same way it did the week before. It was a real journey. All that to say it might not be the best listen in places.
1: So if this is your first time listening we want you to know the audio quality gets so much better in season two as we learn more and made some improvements and we hope you'll stay with us long enough to find that out. Now let's get into it. Hey, Nikki. Hey, Selena. <laughs> Almost a slight delay there. <laughs> Maybe she doesn't want to talk to me today. I don't know. Um, today. <laughs> we can talk today. Any day. <laughs> I have a couple of things I wanted to um, address before we jump into today's um, recap.
0: All right.
1: Well, so it's from the last Selena. two episodes
0: me are you firing me as your co-host?
1: <laughs> I'm hiring you. <laughs>
0: the way you said that was so ominous No, I, have things I just to address. I, I
1: just don't like to leave things outstanding. That's what it is. okay I have some outstanding okay. items. So the first one is from episode 9. That's the one where Charlene accidentally is dating someone who is already married. Mm -hmm. Just as a reminder for everybody, we had this whole little exchange about, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis and when Great Balls of Fire came out (laughs) with Dennis Quake. Girl, you know, I was going to look it up. (laughs) Anyways, it's 1989. I think I said
0: 1988. So I was wrong. Um... Thank you for correcting that. I
1: just wanted to make sure. And then also something that I meant to mention um, during that episode and forgot to. So we also had an exchange about Willard Scott, who plays Bozo the Clown. You know, the guy you don't think anybody knows. (laughs) We'll see. Um, But what I wanted to remind you of is we talked a little bit about Delta's, Burke's, like real life history with the pageants and stuff. Mm hmm. Around episode two, and I don't know if you remember this or not, but one of the things that I shared at the time was when she won Miss Florida or whatever, um, I get all the pageant winning names confused. But when she won that big title um, Mm -hmm. and that was like the thing that kind of launched her career, she actually did um, a thing where she went on Bozo the Clown and was his assistant uh, because like that was one of her pageant duties or something. So oh. I, I mention it. I cannot believe you don't remember my story. Uh, I mean, got... you are looking at me fresh faced like you've never heard this before. <laughs>
0: uh, this sounds vaguely familiar. You, it's in, it's in the recesses.
1: You act like we've talked about other things I don't understand. <laughs> Anyways, the reason I'm saying that is because in that in in that episode as well. Julia says that um, Suzanne looks more like Willard Scott for a day on or during her period. And mm. I just thought that was kind of funny. I wonder if that was some kind of LBT joke since oh. she appeared on that show and it wasn't like an unknown thing. So uh, Maybe. Yeah. So, one, I was wrong. And then, two, uh, let's have a call back from... F- 4, 8, 10, 25 episodes ago. Where are we? Season 12? <laughs> episode 11. <laughs> <laughs> I forget. Uh, go ahead. You look okay. like you're going to say
0: something. Well, oh, I was going to say, can, are you going to address the other thing in episode 9? What did I do? Okay. You're not going to address it then. Mm -hmm. Well, the other thing we've talked about a few times on the podcast is um, how I have found these scripts from the show. And sometimes what we're seeing on Hulu is missing pieces. Yeah. So when we were talking in episode nine, one of the things we talked about was Mary Jo's weird dog comments. And so I double checked the script and I do not see anything missing around that. Mm-hmm. I didn't see any like backstory or anything that would explain why that was so uncomfortable and so just so weird and kind of untethered to anything. Mm-hmm. But there was a piece of the script missing while they were, you know, when they were sitting down, Mary Jo and Charlene sitting down at dinner um, to meet Ed. I was going to call him Ted. Ed. Um, there is a piece of script missing there where they talk about... Um, Mary Jo says something like, at the first mention of sex, I'm out, which explains partly why she left so quickly as soon as sex came up. And it was almost like this. It was supposed to be part of a joke. So while you're on episode nine, I thought I would close the loop on that.
1: Okay. All right. Look at us. Coming. We're just, hey, guys, surprise, episode nine. That's what we're talking <laughs> about today. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, I had one more update for you. Okay. Which was just to share that after our first very fun in person recording.
0: It was very fun. For
1: the slumber party, I ate the rest of the snacks.
0: Oh wow. Did you?
1: Yeah, that night.
0: Did you get sick? No. It's like a real champ. I told Casey. It was not an it was not an insubstantial amount of food.
1: No, I told Casey I'm pretty sure I have a tapeworm. (laughs) Except mine comes with cellulite. I have tapeworm and cellulite. Well, you're a lucky lady. Well, I well, and Casey's a lucky man. Um, I polished off the Doritos, popcorn, sweet tart ropes, gummy bears, double dipped chocolate peanuts, muddy buddies, and we had a burgers for dinner. But I want to report some good news. I had a salad with my burger, so it's fine. Congratulations. Yeah, I ate something you green.
0: nut, you. I
1: just really setting them up knocking them down
0: (laughs) well I'm super glad I left all those snacks at your house (laughs) I'm glad you took the s'mores back home with you I had a s'more I did have I had two I had two s'mores that night Kyle was like can you please eat some of these please (laughs) he sent you away you came back with that and more That box of graham crackers has been in our pantry for about three or four weeks now because I bought them for another occasion and we didn't use them. So when I went to record with Selena, my husband packed them up and said, you should take these if you're doing snacks, take these with you. And I brought them back untouched. So we touched them and I had two. (laughs) They were delicious.
1: Nice. All right. Well, we were all bad and some of us were badder than others. (laughs) Sounds normal. Um, so I think with that, would you like to take us into the recap for New Year's Days?
0: I am. So the Hulu episode description is Gala, Gala, people pronounce it differently. Gala plans for a New Year's Eve celebration bite the dust when it seems that Charlene's date is the armed and dangerous prison escapee Shadow. Dun, Yay. Dun, dun.
1: Did you see that this aired on January
0: 1st, 19? Well, I, I put it down. So <laughs> you put it in the, you put it here. <laughs> Did you see uh, it? I'm seeing that. F- I think I, I, I'm, I'm registering it for the first time. It's weird. I'm registering it for the first time here. That is, um, but you know, it kind of tracks with that other piece we've been talking about throughout the first season that the episodes were filmed out of order Or that they were filmed a certain way and then aired out of order, I guess is what I should say. Um, So they were able to play with the timing a little bit, maybe.
1: Well, but just like, I feel like for ratings, people don't usually put shows out, like on major holidays anymore. Oh. Normally, like, shows go on hiatus almost from, like, Thanksgiving now through
0: at least the middle of January. So And see, I know nothing about... Li- like watching television live because <laughs> I haven't had cable in years. So I don't watch them as they're airing.
1: Yeah, I, but like even on like something like, like uh, I don't watch it in the moment, but even like something like Hulu or whatever, it's still like, you you know, if you're really up on a show and you're waiting for it to come back, you feel that it takes an extra long time around the holidays.
0: Well, did you look into um, if, January 1st fell on a Monday night, which, 1987, because I think that was the time, that was the day they were airing. How long do you point. think it'll
1: take me to scroll back on my phone?
0: <laughs> Let's keep moving. I'll do that gonna, in the background. I was going to say, you can report back next episode. Okay. Um, so the other couple of things to mention, background on this episode, written by LBT and Trish Vandenberg, and... um. It's just interesting. I looked into Trish Vandenberg. I just usually do this um, just to kind of see what what these people have done other than designing women. Um, two notable things. She's not Southern. Um, she's from mm, either New York or New Jersey. I just thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. And also she was a huge advocate for Alzheimer's research. Because her mother passed away of Alzheimer's. So together, she and her husband, who uh, was kind of successful in business in his own right, I think he was like a venture capitalist or something, together they raised over $9 million for Alzheimer's research um, before she had an untimely death um, because of a heart attack. Oh, wow. So I just thought that was interesting. And then it was directed by David Steinberg. Um, he also directed episodes of Mad About You, which is a show I also really love. Um, and Golden Girls. Hey. I
1: feel like I looked at him briefly and he had a pretty uh, pretty lengthy, I want to say rap sheet, but I think it's because of the other content of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean rap sheet in a really like positive way. You could just say resume. There you go. yes he did don't mess with me Nikki it's 8
0: 36 at night (laughs) sorry (laughs) he did have a very extensive resume uh and I think it tells you a lot about me that the two things I noticed were mad about you and Golden Girls
1: I think it tells me you're wonderful (laughs) I think also that this description is not right again like the slumber party one it really they don't learn everything's already a bust before they learn about shadow. So we'll get oh, there. That's true. We'll get there. but That's true. Or maybe we won't get there. Maybe I'll say we'll get there and then we'll forget. <laughs> I recently <laughs> noticed that maybe that happened in an episode. It doesn't matter. Um, so. Uh,
0: All right. Take us away. So, I, that's it. It's New Year's Eve. Uh, the show opens. They're at Sugar Bakers. They're clearly getting ready for a New Year's Eve event. Um, it opens with uh, Suzanne and Charlene talking about, quote unquote, the one perfect rose, which Charlene received from her mysterious date. Um, Julia's there. And uh, yeah, so then Mary Jo comes in in a tizzy. And there's kind of this undercurrent to the entire episode of Claudia or Claudia, <laughs> uh, her daughter, going to a boy girl New Year's Eve party, which is not a date. Well, it's okay
1: because Suzanne jumps in, and she describes her experience at thirteen. She was kissing in her New Year's with Tommy Garson, and 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 then she uh, she starts to try and lead us around the sexual bases. Mm-hmm. I thanks for that. Yeah, uh, which well, Julia like freaks out. Of course, they kind of all do. Nobody really wants to hear it. I had two thoughts I needed to share with you on that, mm-hmm. and with anybody else who wants to hear. Um one is that uh I don't think her bases are right. <laughs> so I'm gonna let everybody look up, but I'm just telling you, the breast action is not second base.
0: I think the bases have changed over time.
1: Oh, they were more innocent then. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and the bases Get have the really time, Selena. Oh, excuse me. The bases have really picked up steam. <laughs> They've advanced with society. All these other things we're trying to be sensitive about to recognize that 1986, now 87, is a different or on the fringe of 87 is a different time. And but I didn't think about the bases. How insensitive of me. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I wanted to mention is that Julia references the Masters and Johnson manual. Mm. Okay, so they literally watched people have sex to watch How people responded. It's a really important body of work because before that, like they didn't even know, they knew nothing about women and sexuality. So all that research was really important. But you're telling me Julia has gone through all of that, but it's this reference book or it's this reference to breast that just throws her over the edge. (laughs) That was the thing. Yeah. It's just too much. Yeah. So I just thought that was kind of funny um but so we're slowly this whole opening is about like drawing in one character at a time so next anthony pops in anthony's back he's back
0: we haven't seen him in a while i know he's been gone maybe he's been at this fancy gourmet shop the whole time yeah well he got sent there uh and comes back with kind of just a sad commentary about racism and classism and all the things uh but it's real quick and kind of funny which is I think the way of an 80 sitcom.
1: Yeah, I like the way that he said because basically the shop owner thinks that he is holding up the store. He mm. doesn't realize it, so he drops to the ground with everyone else <laughs> and then looks around at the patronage and he notices something a little different between <laughs> himself and everybody else and and this is what Anthony says. He said, you know, like a reverse Oreo. Um so which I, I would eat. Right. So like the police, like, you know, they realize a professional thief probably wouldn't pull a heist for four quarts of eggnog and goose pate. Yep. So to your point, it's, it's quick, it's over with. And it is, it is kind of a sad commentary on things then things now, but I just love Anthony. So yay, that's Anthony, great. we're glad to see you back. Yeah, uh, that's pretty great. Yeah. I wanted to, so everybody has a date for the night. Mm-hmm. Anthony's just dropping off stuff. I that is one thing. Okay, what's going on with this delivery job? Is he delivering drapes or pate?
0: Like, oh, was there an was there an inconsistency?
1: I just well, no no no, not with that. It's just like wh- why is it his job to drop off pate and eggnog.
0: Well, I think it sounded like Suzanne sent him. I don't think she cares who does the jobs for her. She just needs someone else to do it. Mm. So it might have it could have been anything. Like it could have been that he was already out doing deliveries and so he said, yeah. you know, on my way back I can grab it for you. Um could have been anything. Yeah, fair enough. But I was I was going to say he um he did have a date. They just didn't mention it here.
1: Yeah. That they definitely, they just, yeah, it gets brought up later. Um, So I fair enough that he will have a date. I had uh, a rundown, though, of everybody else because I just thought maybe we could talk about, we know Charlene has a date, but we don't know who it is. We just know his Mm -hmm. name starts with an S. Um, We learned that Suzanne has herself a bit of a wealthy man. Um, Another
0: Howard was the Howard Hughes, res- oh, the reference, I think the Howard Hughes reference was later. But We got another one.
1: We do. We do. I thought that was funny, too. I noticed that back to back Howard Hughes reference. But so this guy, his name is Worth Carrington. These names. <laughs> They're so crazy. He's 82 years old. Very wealthy. OK, I just need you to know. So I was just thinking that means this man was born in 1904
0: holy moly it
1: just I guess that's true right and I think I mean it's just so much time has passed now but I just needed to share that because I was like 1904
0: (laughs) It's before the car
1: we've looped yeah we've looped a century things are happening oh worth I don't know um, Mary Joe, of course, is taking JD, but, um, his ex-wife is still trying to get back with him. I think they're planting some seeds for the next episode. They've been sort of planting them. Um, mm-hmm. and we get this whole thing from Julia where she tells Mary Joe she needs to be sweet, patient, and understanding. And then she shows us just how sweet, patient, and understanding <laughs> she is with her date, Reese.
0: She has no patience for him. And I really wouldn't either. He said he was going to be back and he ends up in New York. So I think I'd be a little mad about that too.
1: Yeah. Then we got some kind of weird tax code joke that I didn't exactly understand, but it was something about that. Um, But she, but she's out. She's not going anymore to the gala, the gala.
0: (laughs) It was so abrupt and nobody like tried to convince her. Like, could you imagine if one of your girlfriends was like, eh, I'm just not going to go. Would you, would you guys let her like not go that quickly? I would probably
1: say something. The other thing that struck strikes me too, is if you remember when we were talking about the slumber party, I was like, why did they have her asleep the whole time? And now they have her not go. It, the party's quick. It's not a long scene, but right. they have her out of, um, that as well. And I'm like, w- was she filming something else? I don't know. Oh, just thought it Maybe was kind of weird. Something- yeah. Um, so be- before we move on, though, um, to the New Year's Eve party, do you have any thoughts on, like, all of those beautiful New Year's Eve outfits we were seeing?
0: <laughs> so my parting thought um, in my notes from this scene was no conversation about New Year's Eve would be complete without a conversation about outfits. Hmm. That was true in 1987. That's true today. I have thoughts. Mary Joe's headband. That was a look. Well, that was a look. Yeah. It was kind of Madonna-esque,
1: but also missing the mark. Missing the mark. Um, Agreed. I also feel like they kind of dress her a little bit like um, they like they infantile, infantile Mm. (laughs) infantilize. Thank you. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Like I think I feel like sometimes they're just dressing her. Remember the Peter Pan collar from her date they had her like in a giant doily at one point in time, Mm -hmm. like, and now they've got her in this lovely headband. And I don't know, like, and it's just, she's so cute and like petite and stuff, but they keep putting her in these like potato sacks.
0: I don't know. See, I was kind of thinking more of the mom look. Like, are they trying to kind of position her? She's got a teenage daughter, which I feel like can I don't know I don't have a teenage daughter but I feel like it could affect your wardrobe because if you're you know a woman of her age looking at a teenager you're probably making specific wardrobe choices um she's also always just kind of running from one place to the next as kind of a single mom so her outfits are always kind of a little thrown together so I think that's an interesting perspective I had been taking it as like trying to position her as the mom on the show
1: Mm. I did like the green with
0: her red hair though it was really pretty yeah Mm -hmm. that's true um I loved Charlene's dress. Me too. Again, it was the most modern of the outfits, mm-hmm. which is something we talked about a few episodes ago. Uh, mm-hmm. The PJ, ep- the slumber, last episode, the slumber party, how her PJs were even the most modern. Um, and yeah, again, she's the most modern. Black lace, uh, really well
1: fitting, kind of like a, like an A-line skirt, but with some volume. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. best part was just to paint a picture for people. So it's all black. But then the underskirt is red. Mm-hmm. It was like a she was like a walking Louboutin
0: stiletto. Yeah, it was super pretty. Um, Julie and Suzanne were both bringing the sparkles <laughs> and the shoulder pads. Right. They both had substantial shoulder pads. And sparkles is I feel
1: like even though those are definitely '80s sparkles is like always a New Year's thing. I feel like somebody is always and forever glittering. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So um, I thought that Suzanne's kind of I think you had mentioned that um, a couple episodes back, Charlene was giving you kind of the Reba vibes. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: This was kind of giving me those kind of Grand old Opry vibes, too. Or like an 80s pageant dress. It was like some kind of like country, western paisley, which I don't think really matches Suzanne's personality. No. So, but something was giving me those vibes.
0: Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Um, You want to go to this party? As brief as it is. (laughs) Um, I thought it was going to be like a, uh, like a New Orleans, help me, uh, Mardi Gras sort of party, the way the music was sounding. Uh, Oh, uh-huh. That's what I was thinking of. Um, there's, it's really just the ladies, um, I'm going to call him Howard Hughes. Uh, what was his name? Worth? Worth Mm. is at the table. Mm -hmm. JD is there and they're just kind of sitting at a table celebrating the new year. And, um, JD gets called away because his ex-wife calls him Mm -hmm. and, uh, Worth is sleeping.
1: (laughs) He's taking a little nappy now. (laughs) There's concern he's died. He did the same thing I did the other episode when I meant to say something about 87 and I was like 1984.
0: (laughs) He comes to, he's not quite got the year right. I think he's just all of us on like a Monday morning, you know, like, who am I? What time is it? Where am I? I could sort of see what what was happening.
1: Is it, well, you know, and New Year's gets harder the older you get. They all look the same, don't they? Well, I mean, by the time I'm 82, I would definitely be like, don't be willing me out to some party, you guys crazy. <laughs> I'm not interested in this.
0: Um, yeah, so that poor man was falling asleep. Uh, JD comes back. Is there anything you want to say before JD comes back to the table?
1: Probably not. Well, you tell me. I think the biggest thing we learn is who Shadow is, but I don't remember what order that happens in. We basically, we learn who he is and we've heard about him before because we heard about him in the pilot. She did. We, yeah, we did. She goes on a date with a guy. It's barely mentioned. It's like, like just breezed over. But basically she goes on a date. Um, She knows he must be bad news or something because she really likes him. And then she mentions something about a bullet hole in his pants. And that gets brought up again here. So it's this—it's the same guy. So we are getting a call back to the pilot. Um, and so we learn that. Uh, and then JD comes back to the table, I guess.
0: Then he reminisces about Casablanca with his ex-wife, which I just thought was super insensitive. Unfortunately, he realizes that too. But like, why?
1: Well, once Mary Jo is very clear that she doesn't like reruns. <laughs> so um it's very but pretty much like everybody's just over it and they look over it they're nobody seems like they're having a good time and suzanne feels bad for leaving julia i think
0: she's also just bored <laughs> she just wants to leave right. I totally was like mm, is everybody buying this or nobody
1: right but she does convince
0: everybody to go and
1: that's pretty much the end and they're headed back to the house
0: so we come back and anthony and julia are playing cards on the couch I love this. I loved it a lot. It was very cute. Yeah. Um, it sounds like Anthony's date has kind of it fell apart and he came back to keep Julia company.
1: Right. The date we didn't know about, but now right. we do. <laughs> Maybe they started caring about him. <laughs> they don't give him time to mention anything about his personal life. That's all right. Um, Julia's
0: not playing, well, or uh, Anthony's not playing well. He's <laughs> lost a lot of money to Julia.
1: It's, it's okay because it sounds like it's in the millions, so <laughs> it's all good. It's fake money at this point. Uh, we didn't get to mention his outfit earlier because he wasn't he wasn't dressed to party early, right? Uh, but he is now, so like he must have gotten pretty far when his date um, pulled the plug on their event, okay. which is sad. I really liked his his um, suit. Like I liked he had the fuchsia like tuxedo shirt and. The suit had, like, the black trim and stuff. I actually thought, like, it looked um, like some of the funkier suits that they have now mm. um, that aren't just, like, your regular typical, like, tuxedo. So and Anthony's not
0: Anthony's not your typical kind of guy. He's got a little
1: pizzazz, so that makes sense, right? Right. He's sharp. I like it when people have a pop of color, and I really like that, um, you know, it used to be that, like, men didn't really always – Use that pop of color, but I feel like they do more now, and so it just shows, like you know, he's a trendy guy. Yes.
0: and then all the women, the women and their dates come back, except yep. Worth. I think, oh, because right before they left the party, they left a note in his his little horn thing. I forgot about
1: oh, that. Oh yeah, you know when they just like left him.
0: They, yeah, we forgot to mention that previously. Yeah, they just left Worth sitting at the table.
1: Well, that's funny because we kind of get like a whole like. You know, little, where's this person? What's going on? And Suzanne, the way they put it is that her date went home. And I'm like, no, you just left him. <laughs> so, maybe, but that's fine. Maybe they sent his limo driver in to fetch him on the way out. He did have a driver. So maybe, the, yes,
0: maybe they weren't just being terrible human beings. I, um, loved, I loved here when Charlene said um, that Suzanne's date turned out to be closer to father in time than daddy Warbucks. Yeah, that was good. Um, and then also we
1: still have a freaking out parent, uh, oh, which is yeah. fair after Suzanne's story. So Mary Jo calls Claudia. We learn it's the fourth time. <laughs> and she wants to know, you know, make sure she's not playing any contact sport. Well, yeah. So, And then it quickly moves to them watching the ball drop in Times Square.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they left the party just before midnight.
1: Yep, we're just before midnight. Did you notice that they were watching the one in Times Square? And was that weird to you? I noticed it. It wasn't
0: weird to me. So I my very first thought was, why not the peach drop? Oh, I assumed the peach drop was a 1990s Olympics in Atlanta thing.
1: Oh, no, it started before then, but it hadn't started yet. It started in 1989. Ah, okay. So we, we weren't quite there yet, but I had to look that up. For people who aren't from Georgia and don't know, we don't drop a ball. We drop a peach, you know. Do we still do it? We're the, we're the peach state. They, well, who knows? Because 2020, like, all bets were off. Yeah. Um, my understanding was we stopped it for a couple of years and it was supposed to come back. Okay. Um, but then the world ended briefly. And who knows what will happen this year, because even though things are getting better, it still seems like everything's in some sort of weird holding pattern. So Yeah. Um, but they're, like, finally, like, getting into it. They're, like, singing the New Year's song. They're all excited. And then we get an interruption, mm-hmm. a news bulletin.
0: Mm-hmm. and Charlene's date has escaped from the Atlanta maximum security prison oopsie <laughs> that's where he's um, been all night right he's
1: been he's been busy um and he's reportedly armed and dangerous um and it's like it's slowly dawning on people or quickly dawning on everyone in the room i don't know but it turns out charlene knew he was an inmate uh but you know she thought he was getting out on parole <laughs> not escaping that's a reasonable um, assumption and, right and then I think the other big thing here is that we get a strange noise at the front of the house. Yeah. Um, every, just all the ways that people are reacting to everything in this episode
0: are kind of funny. Um, yeah. I was laughing at this, the strange noise too. Just the whole setup was really goofy and weird. And the way that the guys decide they're going to man up, but they've got like, I don't have a baseball bat between the two of them. What are they going right. to do?
1: Right. Somebody's got like a laser pointer. um and and but it's funny because when they do open the door anthony knows right away who it is well sure it's the fuzz it's it's a it's the fuzz and this is a fed (laughs) he knows he knows yeah this gentleman's correct uh because they're looking for a shadow and they know that he's been in contact with charlene Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so um I actually wrote down like he like leaves his contact information or something, I think, and then leaves rather quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Anthony says a line that uh, really is the basis for why everybody's going to be together for a while. And I wrote down that whole line Okay. Um, so because I know you love it. I can tell you look happy. <laughs> but he goes, uh, now, listen, don't you ladies worry. I know the psychopathic mentality of the criminal, having come up against it during my unjustly accused days, their scheming ways, their conniving, devious minds. In fact, if there is one common thread, it's that they're all unpredictable and crazy well, and trigger happy. <laughs> so now we're all together, and Julia has declared no one is leaving here until he is caught.
0: When we come back, it's the next day. Everyone has definitely spent the night together, as Anthony promised. They're still in their clothes. I have a thought about that, but let's dig in first. So the guys are watching football on the couch. The women are undecorating the Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. The more things change,
1: (laughs) some things always stay the same. So helpful.
0: So helpful with the Christmas tree, guys. (laughs) <laughs> not sure where that comes from but thanks. They weren't trying to help at all. They weren't trying to help at all. I think Julia's not in a great mood about taking down decorations. She's not in a good mood about four back-to-back football games. And you know what, Julia, I never am either. <laughs> so. Uh, Charlene has has a moment of appreciation for football players.
1: And and the smell of locker rooms and the smell of sweat and them smacking each other on the butts.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's, it, it really, it really grinds her gears. It turns her on. <laughs>
1: um, uh, what do you think "grinds her
0: gears" means? I know that wasn't the right thing.
1: Well, you right know what? Thing. Let's make it. It's a new now.
0: Now it's sexual. <laughs> I didn't say the right thing. Let's just move okay. on. Um. But so you make an interesting point. Could Julia not share her clothes? Julia's not wearing the same clothes from last night. So it, I guess it would be hard to like everybody's kind of like a,
1: you know, they're all different sizes, different heights. So but I think I would have tried to find something. Then she got some grubbies around.
0: I was just thinking the word grubbies. Like I'm sure she had some sweatpants from pain or um, her husband or we've seen Julia dress to lay around the house. She's not dressing in grubbies around the house. I understand that her clothes always look highly tailored, but it did just really bother me. Everybody else is in different clothes and Julia is over here looking like Queen Elizabeth on vacation at Balmoral or something She's wearing this like tweed skirt and a sweat it was just very annoying to me yeah poor Charlene couldn't even get a borrow comb her hair's all messed up
1: yeah I mean it just like I can't think of anything worse than having to be in party clothes all night long and obviously they're oh, all right.
0: sober because mm-hmm. they're all scared yeah no that's it sounds terrible uh so at this is this the point where uh they get a phone call uh, it it is um and and it's
1: jd the answers i think yes
0: yeah i think that's right and he reports back that the police have caught shadow all is well everything's fine yeah everything's fine and i think here it comes out that um shadow had told charlene that he i think they get a little grumpy with her again about dating a a, a, a i don't know a prisoner and she says well, he told her he was doing undercover work Right, and so Julia
1: makes like a snide comment, and that that's all fine and dandy. I'm wondering if you had this thought too, because first of all, that mention was so quick that mm. in my first watch of this episode, I did not hear that part.
0: That he was undercover, right? And so I was going to mention that later. Yeah, same thing.
1: Yeah, so that oh, so you didn't notice it here either the first time. Okay, Mm-mm. so I missed all that. I thought that we were having another transcript issue. Me too. Okay. So, I. but let's just, let's gloss over that. You and I missed it, whatever. I think that actually says to how little time they spent on it. But in addition to that, let's just go into the reality of the show. You're going to wait all night to tell everybody, it's okay, guys. He's an undercover agent. (laughs) Oh. Like, I just feel like if that is the case, I know right now they're just like, okay, dummy. But, um... You know, it just feels like maybe have told them that seven or eight hours ago.
0: But maybe she thought they would make even more fun of her because they were already kind of being ugly about the fact that. I think she was protecting disagree. them. Oh, yeah. Because she's such a good friend. She's the best friend. <laughs>
1: So that's my sense is that like he probably swore her to secrecy and she felt like she couldn't say it. But I just feel like in this particular situation, which feels serious enough, like sometimes you got to let the cat out of the bag a little earlier. That's all. Yeah. Uh, Definitely would have changed the night. I certainly as them would have been like, you're just telling us this now. So it was also funny to me that none of that got remarked on or anything.
0: Well, they don't care because they get this, this sense of security that means the boys can finally leave to go get some pizza.
1: That's true. And then we get a weird comment that I wanted to talk about just real quickly. Well, I don't want to talk about it. Uh, I mean, we can. I don't think there's that much to say. But I did think it was really funny, not ha-ha, but like, okay, Charlene, because she says um, she's saying basically that he's like a trustworthy guy and we can't just judge him like this is the season of like, you know, having faith in people and in, you know, humankind and all of this. And she remarks that Anthony, you know, he's an ex-convict and we trust him. And all I could think was, oh, yeah, because y'all were just accusing him of murder at Thanksgiving.
0: (laughs) But that was a month and a half ago, Selena.
1: There is so much time in between Thanksgiving and Christmas. (laughs) I feel like everybody remarks on that as well every year. (laughs) But they do go off to uh, grab a pizza um, before the cotton bowl starts. So Um, (laughs) take it away.
0: Sorry. I was just going to say, and then the women decide they're going to share their resolutions with one another. Um, So they do something akin to what they did in the slumber party episode where they all sort of gather around the table and share all of these things they want to change about themselves. Suzanne's is very in-depth, as one would expect. She's gonna pluck her eyebrows differently. That's right, not surface at all. Uh, Mary Joe's is gonna worry less about pleasing people, unless that's displeasing to people. Right. Uh, Julia is gonna try to be less judgmental. But then she I don't is. Think that's going anywhere. <laughs> uh, and then Charlene says she's she won't go on and on and on about her endless thoughts. And then, as she goes on and on about her endless thoughts and gets cut off, she then says she's gonna be less trusting of people she's not going to be quite so naive
1: yeah i think we're missing one part
0: here though Uh-oh.
1: well which is that we mary joe notices on the tv before they go around the table and all give their resolutions that oh shoot yeah you're right yeah the shadow is actually still at large i don't know how the police mess that up but <laughs> in their phone call <laughs> oops i hate it when that happens <laughs> um
0: well they don't question it very much
1: well one of the reasons right one of the reasons i say that is i mean i guess like if you're scared maybe you need a distraction but i did think it was kind of funny they're like he's still on the large all right guys let's talk about our new year's resolutions
0: (laughs) well they had nothing else to do they couldn't go anywhere yeah their male protectors were gone yeah gotta start and
1: you gotta start 87 off on the right foot right so um, but so, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off cause this is a really, um, important part. So Charlene is talking about how, um, you know, she, she's going to be less trusting as all, and all of that, as you were saying, but then everybody's like, no, we don't, that's the thing we love about you the most.
0: After they've told her all season, she trusts people too much and she's overly naive. <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> but thanks for taking the hint, but we really love that about you.
1: And then it gets weird because then someone sneaks up behind them and says, he agrees.
0: <laughs> and it's Shadow. To be fair, it wasn't a total surprise because Julia heard another noise. That Yes, and
1: then they kept playing the
0: game. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's Shadow. He shows up. It turns out he really is undercover. And he really is on assignment.
1: Yeah. And he has sage wisdom advice
0: he has some advice i didn't write any of it down i just said he had some insightful things to say about friendship and how charlene is the true friend i think that sums it up fairly enough that's pretty much it i I think that's fair then the the fbi guy from earlier is back and there's a weird like his shadow here oh shadow i didn't see you i keep forgetting that's why they call you shadow
1: well, right. He's like seven feet tall. <laughs> He's
0: enormous. He's standing right in the middle of the room.
1: Well, and I think we may be saying something out of order. I don't. It doesn't really matter whether the whenever the weird friendship, like diatribe happens but he gets that gun out of his pants when the fbi agent comes in oh right he like waves it around all weird (laughs) he's trigger happy have you ever held a gun it didn't seem like it (laughs) it didn't seem like it to me um and 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 basically i mean the two
0: of them like just go off after like they don't go off but they leave right Right. So the, the bureau has staged his breakout because he was on an undercover assignment and got reassigned. Um, so they broke him out of jail, but the local police are seriously looking for him. So they're going to have to squeal him away. Yeah. And that's how it brings together that random guy from the beginning and all of this randomness at the end. Yep. And and there's a little
1: sweet like exchange between Shadow and Charlene before he leaves um, and I mean, I, it was funny. I, I should have written down what he said, but he said like three really trite things. I mean, I felt like he left and he was like, uh, he kid dancing the rain and like nobody's watching.
0: He was looking at you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> don't forget me. I didn't know. Like, I don't know if they were trying to emulate some character. If I don't know, like Paul Newman from like some movie in the sixties or something, but that's kind of what it felt like. Um, but, and, oh, well, that's what he says too. Like he doesn't, he doesn't know when he's going to see her again. Um, and, uh, you know, also at all this point in time, I just want to say before he's gone, where is Mason? Oh, weren't they going on a date last episode? Yeah. So like, she didn't want to use him as her new year's date.
0: Selena, the episodes aired out of order in which they were filmed. I don't know how many more times to tell you this, (laughs) but also they don't care. Yeah,
1: so definitely don't care. And I'm also wondering, was the last episode the last time we're going to hear about Mason? I don't know, but Mm, yeah, maybe. Yeah, Um, but basically, like as soon as Shadow leaves, we cue that emotional music, Mm -hmm. and it seems like everybody like goes into a sweet like. We really are lucky to have each other for another year. And they all cheers to 1987. And there we are.
0: And that's how the episode ends. And I just, I have one thought. Yeah. That kind of persisted throughout this episode. And I'm curious to see how it persists throughout the rest of the series. I know Delta Burke struggled with her weight pretty publicly through this series. Um, I just know that from pop culture knowledge, not because I followed designing women in the early 90s and late 80s. I just know that. And Julia fat shames her or like fat shame adjacents her, comments on her appetite, her eating several times in this episode. Mm -hmm. So kind of piggybacking on to the PMS episode or the PMS clip where she goes on and on and on about like her water retention and how... um, just all of these things it just really bothers me mm-hmm. and i think that there were several shows during this time period i think i mentioned growing pains maybe in our our last episode um growing pains is another episode or another example of um how a car- how jokes were um kind of put on this one character who was a teenage girl. Um, Her brother made all of these fat jokes about her. And she ended up having um, an eating disorder Mm -hmm. um, as she was kind of growing through the series. Um, Tracy Gold. And it's really kind of, it's a really sad story. It's also, I think she worked through it, obviously, so there's a good ending. But I think this sort of symbolizes something bigger that was happening in TV. And I just kind of want to keep eyes on that as we go through the show, because it was a little, like, all right, Julia, she's just having a good time on New Year's. Like, stop shaming her for eating all the time. But I'm just so curious how that's going to play out and if that's going to play into some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that goes on with Delta Burke later.
1: I'm really glad that you mentioned that. I I, I definitely noticed it. Um, and because Julia basically, in this really sweet moment, like, she almost goes after her again um, yep. and uh, for, like, eating more pate or whatever... And, you know, I, I, I just sort of swept it to the side. So I'm glad that you decided not to, um, because I am curious if that, to your point, like what it did with Tracy Gold, is that starting to eat at Delta Burke? Was she already maybe noticeably gaining some weight? Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't know. We weren't part. <laughs> we weren't there. Um, right. But there were accusations from um, Delta Burke of feeling like she was in an abusive situation, and mm-hmm. so I think it'll just be interesting for us to kind of take a closer look at that when we get to that era of the show.
0: I couldn't end the episode without touching on that. I ignored it the first time because I it just it felt really egregious at the end when, like you said, they were having this really nice friends moment and she was going to make another joke. That's I couldn't ignore it then. And um, I, I do think it's beca- going to become relevant as we go on.
1: Okay. Well, and as you're being a really empathic and kind person and, and, and saying things that mattered, my highlighted point at the end was, oh, okay, okay. But is shadow like the worst undercover agent ever? Like, I just feel like this doesn't make any sense. Why was he communicating with the civilian? Why Mm -hmm. was he telling her that he was undercover? That's a huge no-no. This other FBI agent's okay with it. They're like, cool, cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just tell whoever you want. Um, And then he is really putting her in danger by visiting her on the way out. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think there's just, it doesn't really necessarily line up how they met in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the first episode wasn't even that long ago. And they were like dating, I don't know. So, or they have been on a date. So, I just, again, mm-hmm. it's a sitcom. I get it. It doesn't have to be realistic, but this almost felt like fantastical to me or something.
0: Yeah. So, it was silly. Yeah. It was silly nonsense. Silly nonsense.
1: I totally agree. So, that was pretty much it. So, Nikki, mm-hmm. are you ready to rate this sucker? I am. I think I am. Okay. What's your rating scale?
0: Uh, Dates with father time.
1: All right. What's yours? All right. Uh, My scale
0: was questionable FBI agents. Oh, good one. Good one. I'm giving it two out of five dates with father time. I hated this episode. I didn't hate it so Mm -hmm. much to give it a one. Uh, but I just really, every time I had to watch it, I was like, Oh God, I have to watch it again. I think it, it becomes obvious when we kind of get in the middle of the podcast and my notes have sort of petered off. It kind of tells you that's, <laughs> I've run out of things to say. I don't care what order they met this person or that. I don't care. It just was a silly, it was chock full of silliness. Yeah. I think it's, um. Yeah. It's. I think we said that in maybe our last episode or the one before, we will talk about some of the things that were happening behind the scenes in episode one, Uh, I mean, in uh, the final episode of the season, kind of as we're wrapping things up. But I think it's important to say here, it's not surprising to me that this would be the episode that would send the show on an indefinite hiatus and possible cancellation, which is what happened after this episode.
1: I just wish you would formulated an (laughs) opinion.
0: I'm not surprised that the network execs would be like, wow, really? That's the best you can do? Okay, let's, let's put this one on hiatus. Um, so spoiler alert, the show obviously comes back after some amount of time, and it comes back with a doozy that we'll get into next time. But uh, it, this was not the best episode, and I just really don't care for it. So, oh.
1: Well, you'll be surprised to hear that I gave it a five out of five. <laughs> <laughs> so I did give it a two and a half out of five questionable FBI agents. I don't know why. <laughs> Let's give the point five for Anthony. Um, it gave it a little a little boost. I, you know, I thought it was okay. Um, I think we've covered to a good extent, especially in the last act where things just didn't really seem. I mean, it, it's not even just like eighty sitcom, uh, not realistic. It's or unrealistic. It's just like dicey in my opinion, to keep the audience in the dark the way that they did mm-hmm. for such a big part of the episode with who Shadow was mm-hmm. and then like this undercover agent plot. like It's like they didn't trust us. Sometimes that works really well mm-hmm. in a writer's favor and in a show, show's favor, and sometimes it backfires. And I would say, I would count this as a backfire. Um, it also really bothered me, I mean, not really bother me. I winced at a show about women, and there's, like, this whole plot line unfolding, but it's a a man, and more importantly, a a strange man, who comes in and delivers the take-home message of the episode. Like, that's just... I don't know. I didn't love that, and it, it very... It did feel... Obviously, LBT is a good writer. I'm not taking that away from her. But that whole thing felt really stilted. Mm. Friendship is important and we must hold each other and hold the ones you love tightly. To, oh, come on. So it just felt it felt really um, forced. Mm-hmm. And um, But the, I think one of the reasons, this might be my point five uh, more than what you gave it, is I did like the aspects of them just being stuck together. Um, I liked Anthony and JD, like having a, like a little cute argument about football. I was okay Mm -hmm. with that. I liked the comments about the decorations and football games back to back and the locker room smells and like all that was funny. And it made me giggle a little bit. It was just like everything else around that, that was like where they were trying to make it interesting. That three and a
0: half minutes didn't redeem the rest of the half hour show.
1: No, (laughs) it's too bad. (laughs) But if they would, j- this is one of those shows, like, where you don't need that. Live in those small moments. Like, I think that's where LBT is strong is in those relatable mm. things that she's able to pull out instead of, like, trying. But I think you're landing on something really good. It's like, I think they were trying really hard to get people's interest, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. So, yeah,
0: You lost We'll talk
1: about some. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Um, you want to talk about some
0: 80s things? I only have three. Oh, okay. I have Joan Collins. There's a Joan Collins Mm -hmm. reference at the beginning. I have Dan Rather, how he doesn't know anything till 7 Mm -hmm. p.m. And I have J.R. Ewing.
1: Okay. Uh, Those were definitely across both of our lists. I had stretch limousines. (laughs) I mean, I'm not saying they don't have them today, but your laughter lets me know that that wasn't wrong. Um, getting phone calls in restaurants instead of someone just calling yourself right. or texting. Yep. Like, don't make phone right. calls. Um, and then this idea that the news isn't instantaneous. Um, yeah. Like, Charlene has that line about Dan Rather. You know, he didn't know anything until 7 o'clock. Well, they do right. now. right? You know, we just, we're hearing from him all the time. Um, that silver tinsel on the Christmas tree, mm. um, was I know sometimes some people still use it and sometimes the throwback stuff is yeah. cool, but it really put me in that mindset of like seeing pictures from when I was little mm. and a lot of what the Christmas tree looked like then and not in that throwback way. I think that was just like the cool thing mm-hmm. to do then. Um, I also had some other references on here too, just in terms of people. Um, and I'm, I'm not I'm wondering if these are other places on your list list, but Mamar um, Gaddafi, mm-hmm. Stevie Wonder, the Boz, who was um, the football player that played for the Sooners then. Um, and then there was also the candid camera men, uh, mentioned, mm-hmm. Alan Funt. I think she says hidden his hidden camera, but she's talking about candid camera.
0: Well, the Alan Hunt is the guy who uh, created and hosted Candid Camera and he was involved in some capacity for 40 years. Its longest run was yeah. nineteen sixty 1960 to nineteen sixty seven on CBS, which is where designing women okay. aired.
1: Oh, a little little CBS to CBS connection. Uh-huh. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have any Southern things this I week? I did.
0: I had the New Orleans jazz-style music at the New Year's Eve party. It felt very, I don't know if Zydeco is the right word, but it felt very New Orleans and Bourbon Street. I had the Atlanta Federal Prison. I think it may have been officially called the United States Penitentiary. Pen, it's a hard word for me to say. Penitentiary in Atlanta. Um, but it did used to be maximum security, and now it's minimum security. So that was Atlanta and also seems pretty accurate. Um, and then the Cotton Bowl um, that year, it actually was um, the Ohio State versus Texas A&M, not Arkansas versus Oklahoma, which the show says it was. Uh, and it aired on CBS. It's now known as the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic.
1: Oh, OK. Well, those are really good finds. I I had a passing thought about like, I wonder if that was really the football game. And then I remembered I don't care about football.
0: Um there's no way what, it could have been just the way football plays out. there's no way they would have known they were probably filming no, this in August or September maybe, but there's no way they would have known in order to get it point.
1: out yeah, that makes sense um but how uh what if they had gotten it right? that would have been kind of been amazing. crazy um I also had the Atlanta prison situation, so I won't go into that um i'm that's cool that you were able to find that it was a max um facility security facility then because i I think i found i don't know so so many of these prisons are named like things that are similar or sound Mm -hmm. similar but um i had read medium security all that to say that uh we both did some prison digging i see so (laughs) that's the important thing right uh the this one's for you um the only other thing i have was uh julia Her kind of mentality there at the beginning felt like Southern Parenting 101, which is do as I say, not as I do, um, which was her guidance for Mary Uh, Jo about being uh, kind, sweet, patient, whatever all those three virtues were. And then she turned around and was like totally unforgiving to Reese. Um, I know that's probably not just a Southern thing but it felt Southern thing, like a Southern thing. And I'm trying to grasp for some Southern <laughs> things. Come on, LBT, come That's on, bring them to us. We want to talk about them. Um, and then uh, that was all I had there. And then I have a bunch of different references. I think we both mentioned in passing that there were just a ton of references. in
0: this So episode. many, some of the ones you just mentioned, I missed. Okay,
1: we'll see. The ones that you mentioned, I know. Some of the so. ones you
0: mentioned crossed over into my unknown references. Um, so I yeah. didn't know Masters and Johnsons. So I had to look that up. Um, mm-hmm. as, as you said earlier, it was research into the human sexual response. Um, and this was kind of like the the body of work. It's the focus of the show Master of Sex on Showtime. Momar Gaddafi, I had to look that person up, a Libyan revolutionary. It's a name I know, but like, If you ask me who it is, I couldn't tell you. Um, The Boston Strangler, again, something I know, um, a mass murderer, but I looked into the specifics. A murderer of 13 women in the early 60s. Uh, Guy Lombardo, there was a Guy Lombardo reference at one point. He hosted New Year's Eve events on CBS through the 70s um, when Dick Clark kind of took over. Um, Guy Lombardo was kind of the guy. Dick Clark came in and took everything over. Um, Burt Parks hosted the Miss America pageant from the 50s to 60s. He was born in Atlanta. So that could be a Southern tie. Uh, oh. He's the one that's saying, there she is, Miss America. Babyface Nelson, I knew the name, an American bank robber notable for killing more FBI agents than anyone in history. Candid Camera and Elliot Ness, who was the um, American prohibition agent famous for bringing down Al Capone.
1: Yeah, that's a lot of good ones. I um, I'm going to go back and just fill in, uh, if there was anything that I had on my search, uh, but I think you got most of my things. The, I thought the, I don't know, the Miss America thing, I think is just fun. Cause it feels like a tag to our pageant mm-hmm. episode. Um, but, uh, Guy Lombardo, it's so weird because I still, even today think of Dick Clark as being synonymous with new mm-hmm. year's. Even though he's passed now, I just loved him so much. But um, he actually did his run was shorter than Guy Lombardo's. Guy Lombardo's was forty eight years. That's that's
0: a long time. Easy.
1: It really is, um, and I think it's more of that uh, old school New Year's kind of tradition, mm-hmm. you know. And he was really famous for always singing "Old Lang Syne." Mm-hmm. I sound so smooth when I say that it just rolls right off my tongue. Uh, and then I had also uh, looked at into the boss a little bit cause I didn't know much about him, but when I looked him up, so he actually goes into the NFL. Um, he plays for the Seattle Seahawks for three seasons, gets a shoulder injury, and then he has to retire. He's a little bit of a controversial character, But I'm mentioning him, too, because uh, he winds up being like a little bit of an action star Mm. Um, and even winds up being in The Longest Yard in 2005. Mm. So (laughs) there you go. It's very exciting. I can tell by your slow blink.
0: I thought about looking him up and then I was with this episode that was a bridge too far.
1: Well, I well there was all these other ones to look up. The one thing I wanted to say about Babyface Nelson, in addition to what uh, everything you said, is that he was partnered with John Dillinger, mm-hmm. who is like one of the most infamous criminals in all of American history. Um, also played by Johnny Depp at some point. And then I had one more reference, um, which was uh, going back to the Howard Hughes thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why is she talking about Howard Hughes twice in one? or like two episodes back to back. I thought that was kind of strange. And so when I went to go look, um, like if there was something about him that year that had kind of come to the surface, because he had already passed. Uh, It turns out April of 86 marked a decade since he had died. My guess is that LBT had him on the brain while she was writing episodes. I could totally see her. She was probably writing as early as April um and so i think that just crept into her body of work Mm. plus to your point selena if you will ever remember this the episodes (laughs) they aired out of order they did (laughs) so it may have not been back to back but even twice in one season is kind of weird and so that's a heck of a lot of references but that's also all the references and with that we're gonna just go ahead and wrap this sucker up Nikki. Let's wrap we'll wrap it, up. it up. Yep, and uh, just want to let everybody know that uh, in the next uh, recording, what we're going to do is we're going to cover episode twelve. That's a special one. It's a two-parter. It's called "Old Spouses Never Die." I hope I gave that enough enough mystery, enough intrigue for you, Nikki.
0: <laughs> That'll do. That'll do.
1: Okay, and then also like you know, uh, interact with us on social media if you feel like it. And that would be on Instagram. You can find us at, at Sweet Tea and TV on Facebook at Sweet Tea and TV or email us at Sweet TV. Ugh, how do you do this every week, Nikki? <laughs> you can email us at Sweet Tea TV pod at gmail.com. Um, you can also find all of this on our website, which is www.sweettea.com. That's probably the easiest thing to be honest, guys. So, um, and then you can just, uh, you know, tell us your comments, uh, show us your southern things, and all of that. And I guess we'll just uh, see you guys around the bend.
0: selena happy new year it's it's not new year at all it's uh june pretty far from new year's uh but i am taking over this edition of extra sugar to bring you our next installment of nikki's nibbles come on y'all let's talk fiddles nikki's nibbles come on y'all let's eat That's right. Another two for one. We did this a couple episodes back in episode seven with my brief history of pie. Uh, This week's segment is brought to you courtesy of the ladies New Year's blowout bash. May I present to you, Selena, Nikki's Nibbles, how you can get paid just by eating Southern cuisine. Ooh, I'm I'm into it. It's kind of a clickbaity headline. I'm just going to be honest with that, but but go with me, stick in, stick here with me, hang in there. Um, so, first, a quick question for you: black-eyed peas and collard greens on New Year's Day? Do you do or do you don't?
1: I'm a terrible southerner, and I do not do that.
0: Okay. Do you have something else you eat on New Year's Day, or just whatever tickles your fancy? Ah, there you go.
1: (laughs) Whatever I want. Um, I am, I do like turnip greens. I really do. Uh, As long as they're done well, which I'm sure, you know, if they're not done well, oh boy. Um, But I got to, I just got to level with you. I've never liked black eyed peas.
0: Really? I got no interest in them. Interesting. That's, that's fascinating to me. I think they're good. They're fine. Ah, that face you're making tells me you don't agree.
1: I'm not a fan, but to each their own.
0: Right. So I am, I'm I'm not big on the tradition. My parents have done it as long as I can remember. Um, They still do it, even though, you know, um, none of us are eating it. We don't, we don't usually eat it, but they still do it. Kyle's parents, I think, still do it. Um, We just, for whatever reason, we haven't done it consistently. I have a strong feeling of the four people in my house. If I made it, one of us would be eating it and no one else would. Um, so I just don't make it. We don't really have a specific New Year's tradition. Just like you said, kind of whatever whatever we want. I think we've done maybe Chinese before. I think we've done pizza before. Just whatever. Yeah. But the reason I'm bringing all of this up is that the two together, black-eyed peas and collard greens, are definitely a Southern tradition on New Year's Day. Um, it is something that m- most Southerners can at least can at least say they know what that is. They know it's a tradition. But what I wanted to dig into today is like kind of why, where did it come from? Um, Why is this a thing that we do? So first, just a little background on the ingredients. Black-eyed peas are a legume. Biologically, I'm not sure this is true, but I always call them kind of like a bean. They're more bean than they are like your traditional green pea. Um, They've been grown in the South since as early as the 17th century in Virginia. Wow. Um, They love the heat. And they're really good for the soil. They add nitrogen back in the soil, uh, which makes the soil richer and better for growing more crops. And so the South is a very agrarian, or historically has been a very agrarian culture. So this is important. Historically, that's been great for us. Uh, they're a subspecies of the cowpea, which is an old world plant that was domesticated in Africa. So that's one huh. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, collard greens didn't have as interesting of a history uh so now let's talk about the tradition a little bit now that you know what black-eyed peas are i want to say before i start this that like all traditions the history is a little twisty turny um i don't know that you can really assign one culture or one person to inventing an entire tradition things overlap here and there um particularly in the south so we've had this massive cultural overlap between like european immigrants um native populations, people with African heritage and Caribbean heritage. So we really are this kind of melty place um, where all these things come together. So that's relevant to the history of black eyed peas and collard greens. You still with me? I'm still with you. Are, are you, you feeling like you want to eat some now just because we're talking about it so much? There is no taste test this week. I'm so glad. It's good. (laughs) So according to Wikipedia, which references a 2008 Telegraph article, uh, in the southern United States, eating black-eyed peas or Hoppin' John, a traditional soul food, on New Year's Day is thought to bring prosperity in the new year. Prosperity because the peas swell when they cook. Mm. Um, I also read that peas are symbolic of pennies or coins and that a coin is sometimes added to the pot or Left Under the Dinner Bowls. You know this.
1: I read this too because I was trying to read it. I realized I'm like, I don't really have any traditions. Let me read someone else's. <laughs> <laughs> and they said the thing about the coin and like in a post-pandemic world, that seems even,
0: I don't know. I what happens honest. if you swallow it? Yeah, that was dicey to me before the pandemic. Yeah, that's no so good. Money, is just, just copper, lots of hands. Copper in your food. Can that be good? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. This isn't a science. We ain't scientists. Um, So the peas are typically served with collard greens, which are thought to represent money because they're green, um, and ham, which is usually leftover from Christmas. um, And that can be incorporated into the peas. um, So like my parents make theirs by using the ham bone and boiling the peas with it to give it some flavor. Right. Um, Ham also, in one reference, I found that it symbolizes forward motion. Could you hazard a guess as to why that might be?
1: Does it have something to do with the animal that used to forwardly move?
0: I'm I'm not sure. if th- So I'm going to say it's because pigs <laughs> forage. So your answer feels half right. Hey, <laughs> I can't even was- believe it because it was a total shot in the dark. I was going to say, if you took 50 guesses, I don't think you'd get it because it was so random to me.
1: I, I mean, that is pretty random. I thought like most of it was like all about money.
0: Yeah. Uh, Are you foraging for cash? (laughs) And I'm always foraging for cash. I don't know. Uh, Cornbread is also usually served. I actually thought it was just because it's delicious, but actually it's because the yellow represents gold. (laughs) I was about to say, something with money. (laughs) Yep. Um, So there's a ton of regional variation when you prepare um, black-eyed peas and collard greens. So I mentioned a second ago in my family, we literally just eat the... um, or my parents, not really me. Uh, the peas cooked with the ham bone left over from Christmas. Um, I think the collards. We usually just get collards in a can. I think they might dice some ham up and put it in there sometimes, because um, collards get better with salt. I think that's tip number one. If you're ever interested in trying greens, put some salt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they make cornbread. Uh, but I mentioned Hoppin' John a few minutes ago. Do you know what that is? Well, when you but I I thought that was just
1: another name for black eyed peas. After you
0: said that. It's not. It's, so it's similar. It's a combination of black eyed peas and rice um, um, and it's served with collard greens.
1: So is that like is, a Louisiana thing?
0: It's a low country thing. So it's like a Charleston Savannah um, sort of thing. Okay. Um, so there it is typically served with collard greens and again a, a New Year's Day tradition.
1: I have a question. Mm-hmm. I may, I I may think not I... have an answer. Well, I think I messed something up, and so I hope I'm not throwing you here, but I said turnip greens. You're saying collard greens. These are two different types of greens?
0: This is a very good question, and when you said that a minute ago, I was like, are they different? I I don't know the the botanical difference.
1: Yeah, okay. Okay. All right. Well, I'm sorry if I threw that off with the saying turnips earlier, but
0: greens. You can Google it it while I continue and you can flesh out my Nikki's nipples. So eating black eyed peas with rice is a tradition um, that's African in root. And it's Mm -hmm. particularly popular, again, in the low country in South Carolina. Um, And like I said earlier, people who follow that tradition usually pair Hop and John with collard greens. Um, I found a Spruce Eats article that noted two major theories for the tradition's origin in the South. Uh, The first has to do with the Civil War. According to that article, during Sherman's march, uh, the Union Army pillaged the Confederates' food supplies, but left the peas and the pork, believing they were the food for the animals and not for human consumption. So the Southern soldiers felt lucky to have these supplies to get them through the winter. Um, and so I guess that sort of became like this prosperity and luck sort of tradition. Hmm. Um, and then the, the other theory is that black eyed peas are a symbol of emancipation for previously enslaved African Americans who were officially freed on New Year's Day after the Civil War. Hmm. Um, it's also worth noting that a Southern Living article I found uh, suggested that black-eyed peas were first eaten for prosperity as far back as 500 A.D. as a part of the Jewish holiday Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year. Um That earlier mentioned Spruce Eats article says it's possible the tradition arrived in America with Sephardic Jews who first arrived in Georgia in the 1730s. Um, So as a Southerner, I don't often hear very much about the influence of Jewish people on our Southern culture. So I wanted to share this. And actually, as I dug into it a little bit more, um, I found out that in 1800, South Carolina had the largest Jewish population in the United States. I'm a South Carolinian and I didn't even know that. Um, So again, just this sort of like reminder when I kind of started digging into this, I thought, I thought it probably had something to do with um, slavery and with slave cuisine. Um, because it's the South, because it is usually kind of associated with deep South. So I assumed there was something to do with that. And then I think, um, white culture has adopted some of that soul food cuisine over the years and, and sort of made it its own thing. Um, so I assumed all of those things were coming into play. This possible connection with the Jewish culture did not enter my mind at all. So I wanted to share that. I thought that was very interesting. It is very interesting. Um, So again, I think there was one more thing that was news to me that I want to share. Um, There are actually sub-traditions to this tradition. So some say you should actually eat exactly 365 peas on New Year's Day. Um, If you eat fewer, you'll only be lucky for that many days. And so that would mean on a leap year, you might need to eat an extra one. However, if you eat any more than 365 peas, it turns those extra days into bad luck. Ooh. A non-mathematician's nightmare. Right. Um, others say you should leave one pea on your plate to share your luck with someone else. Um, and then yet even others say that if you don't eat every pea on your plate, your luck will also be bad. Um, <sighs> Finally, it's also said that if you eat only peas and skip the pork, collard greens, and the accompaniments, the luck won't stick. They all work together or not at all. So, pick your poison, whichever sub-tradition you choose. Just don't pick the wrong one or your life's going to fall apart.
1: What uh, what happens if you wind up choosing sushi?
0: Well, I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, Selena. How's your luck <laughs> been so far? if
1: only y'all could see my eyes right now it's been so good that's funny because one addendum i think to all of this is i feel like i saw a lot of um hubbub on social media this year and just talking to like people that uh you know friends and family like anyone who put off this tradition the year before the pandemic was like Mm -hmm. i've really got to (laughs) return to my peas my ham my cornbread and my greens.
0: So, yep. so I, I actually, I, I don't mind black. I love, I love black eyed peas, uh, collard greens again. Like if you season them well, they're actually quite delicious. And then of course, who doesn't love cornbread? So the meal in and of itself I'm down for, I just don't make it. Cause like, you know, my family won't eat it and I'd be eating it by myself. Uh, but I think I might have to start making it a tradition. I think I'm not going to worry so much about how many of them I eat. I think I'm just going to consider myself lucky to get to the table and eat it. Um, but regardless, I, I hope all of that shares a little bit about the tradition with everyone. Um, and I hope folks will consider it if it sounds delicious to them. Um, but also do a little more research because like Hop and John, um, there's also this whole kind of like, sub story to hop and john and how the original rice that um was used for it went extinct and they didn't have that rice anymore so they had to cultivate it again um so that they could make hop and john as close to the original as possible um so there's and then the sephardic jews um That side of things was also really interesting. So do a little more research yourself. Um, But it's just a reminder of how twisty turny and melting pot E the South is and Southern cuisine is. And this is definitely a big part of Southern cuisine. So before we wrap it up, Selena, I see your phone in your hand. Do you have an answer on turnip greens versus collard greens?
1: I I do. I mean, they are different. So I feel really silly. And I feel like I've got a handful of friends that are going to be like, really, Selena? But um, so collard greens can be distinguished from turnip greens by their medium to dark green or sometimes bluish green color. Collard greens have a coarser texture than turnip greens, but their early stages of growth, they look similar to turnip greens as they grow in a mound or clump. So here's what I'm going to
0: say. I don't want to be tested on this. And here's what I'm going to say. Everything I read said collard greens, so do not eat turnip greens. Your life will fall apart.
1: Heard. I might even just like maybe we need to do like a mid-year like bulk up on our luck.
0: Yes, that's a good point.
1: You know, I mean, we'll point. start our own new tradition.
0: Right. Yeah. So, there yeah, that's a good idea.
1: Whatever it takes, we're trying to get lucky around here. Oh, that didn't come out <laughs> right at all. <laughs> Oh, Lord, Selena.
0: (laughs) We're trying to be prosperous. Oopsie poopsie.
1: (laughs) And with that,
0: Selena, I think we've effectively (laughs) wrapped up this week's episode of Extra Sugar.